This episode is sponsored by my good friends at Bullish. Stay tuned for more information on this amazing company later in the episode. So when's the last time that you uh, did a podcast at Top Golf? Uh, that'd be never. <laughs> But you're like I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a TikToker, so... Uh, the first time I ever uh, did a podcast with you, I think I made a golf joke right at the beginning, and I said, like, is golf a sport or is it just a hobby? Or something like that. And I took it serious. I, I still think hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I play golf, but I still think it's a hobby. You know I, so, I played growing up. You got on the tour with uh, dropping one in and putting it. You think you can do it now? No pressure. This guy's a real golfer. He's a scratch golfer almost. Because he played, played almost on the tour. He was going to be uh, the next Jack Nicklaus. Yeah, right. True story. Tiger Woods right here. Oh, it's good. You're right. Bucket. Get there. Bucket. Get up. Uh, weak. When I moved out of the city up to the suburbs once I had a family, I was like, I'm going to try to get good at this again. Yeah. And um, I somehow caught lightning in a bottle. And in so I moved up in 2014, and that summer, I qualified for the Illinois State Amateur. Like, I actually, I actually had to like stuff a wedge on the 18th hole of this qualifier to like two feet and made the putt and got me into the State Am. And it was the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> because I actually thought, You're gonna be like, oh my God, it would be good. Yeah, I, I got caught, I, I had a good like, I'm, I'm gonna be like playing on the senior tour. I'm gonna play on the senior for the rest of my life, it. I'm just till I'm 90. Right, right. It didn't go well. 2014, before I even got into crypto, and then, yeah, no. It's like trading. It's, it's all oh, mental. Yeah. Golf is uh, brutal. But it's crazy. You can literally go out and be like Tiger Woods one day, and the next day you can't hit the ball in the air. Not you, I'm sure, because you're like a scratch golfer, but for me. What, so what, what I realized about it is that it's, it's so not about, like, you have to practice. But once you get the routine down, like, most of my golf now is in a cart, Music playing, flow state, total flow, and it just—if you get a rhythm going, dude. I mean, you're, you're a DJ forever. I think, it's, a, forever. I think it's, it? it's the same as trading. It's just like trading, flow state with trading. It, there's this, there's totally like the, like as a DJ, like connecting with heartbeats. Like, it's just getting in that rhythm, man. It's fucking gold. I interviewed uh, Ricardo Salinas, the billionaire from Mexico, who's like 60% of his money in Bitcoin. He said all he does is like play golf outside of work, and it's all about his flow state, listening to music. Yeah. It's been great. Like the, the sport's been great for me, and like it's gotten able to, you know, really um, uh, cultivate a lot of important relationships that are being really important in my life. Um, a, a lot of, you know, especially coming from traditional finance and trading. Like every trader I know plays golf. Yeah, I'll play golf. Friday afternoon, market closes like out, and so it it, it was great for business. And uh, you know, in crypto. Just the same market doesn't close. No, it doesn't. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. but uh, fortunately and unfortunately. But um, interestingly enough, like when um, Link's DAO started, Mike Dudas, yeah, right. And like I was like, that's a huge step. And then during FTX Salt, which we were one of the sponsors of, went out there and I, I played and Link's DAO had sponsored like an outing, and I got paired up with a guy, this great guy from Revit Howard, and I'm like, holy shit. I've come full circle now. 
Now you're playing golf for crypto I'm playing business. golf for crypto business. Okay. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on here? So good. My God, he's so good at golf. Sit down. You're so good at golf. I'm taking out the fucking big hog. Stay there. What's that? I want to see what this thing can do. Ah. Oh, he sliced it, too. <laughs> so. What do you think of Link's DAO? Like, what do you think of the concept of something like that? I think that DAOs, like, could go really either way. Some of them, I feel like, is just full-on Lord of the Flies and our oh, 100%. Yeah. Link's DAO, I think, is a, is a great concept, and I, and I love the, the community aspect of... I mean, golf is so relationship-driven, yeah, unless you're going to be a pro, which is nobody, you know, one in 100 million people do that, so... Um, it great way to build a community, and you know, I, I kind of liked the idea that they were more about just like capturing a, a, a large audience first, and then letting it evolve naturally. I there's so many things I want to see them do. Right. That um, I'm like, how vocal should I? Like, I have to focus on my own. Right. You know, on but, own. But body. like conceptually, the idea of a I mean, obviously, you guys are effectively building a decentralized exchange of sorts. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like a and pro, so, pro, but, yeah, or exchanges. Yeah. Yes. So, but um, the the idea of a DAO with golf, and like the idea of, of the DAO owning uh, owning uh, golf courses, which is like effectively owning real estate. Yeah. Interesting concept. Yeah. Right? Um, and you know, obviously, like with the DAO, you you always have this like. Uh, this off chance that it's gonna uh, somehow end up getting controlled by absolute villains, yeah. which is a which is a risk that yeah. you take, and you kind of have to understand the game theory of it to to make it work, you know, to make it work out. And um, I don't know, we'll see. I, I think it's a great concept, and it's a fun concept. It's, it's actually one of the few things in crypto that like it, it's not everybody in there like you know, yeah. How cheap can I buy it and number go up? Right, people actually care about the concept and they're in it for the community. That's why a lot of the NFT projects actually work. So like we were joking, obviously, that traders you know, get off on Friday and play golf. We said 24-7, 365. You can't really do that in crypto. Then you take it to the next step, and you're running a business in crypto that never closes. Ever. How do you do that? It's, uh, it's well, I'll tell you this. Like, I went, I mean, last year, as it relates to golf, I played, I think I played 12 rounds. And um, I, I played one tournament that I walked off after the sixth hole because I was dealing with some, some, some crypto-related stuff. And um, it just, you know, you gotta just learn to balance it. It just looked like it, we, we both have families, like the balance of a family, let alone like something like golf that could ultimately take you six hours to, yeah. of, of your time. It, it's, it's delicate and it's something that you have to really learn how to do. But if it's important enough to you and like that, that little period is just a great time to reset and kind of rethink, uh, you know, just stepping away for, for a few hours is just, yeah. It, it's as valuable as being totally engaged. It's, right? it's, it's, the, it's the best thing. It resets you for hours, if not days, if not weeks, if you can get out there really for exactly. a few hours and do it. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of people, I think, in your position sort of have joked for years that they can't wait till the next bear market because you build in a bear market. Well, now we've now pretty much been in a bear market here for yeah. quite a while. Have you experienced that to actually be the case? Yeah, uh, yeah 100%. But you know, remember, if you think about the genesis of Hero, Obviously, we're off fully leaned into the, um, the DeFi primitive now. But when we started and we built that centralized platform, which initially was Hero.io and now Hero Trade, which does all the exotic options, the parimutuals and stuff, um, we started building that in the throes of a nasty bear market. Like we started building that in Q3 of 2018. And we launched it in January 2019, where 
Bitcoin went from it was almost twenty thousand down to I think Bitcoin was somewhere around four thousand, yeah. three to four thousand yeah, at the time. Four. Yeah, and it was super salty. The whole like the whole ecosystem was super salty, and um, and it was kind of just what the market needed at that moment. And I think as um, somebody who is you know um, one of the contributors and, and leading a project that. Um, Everyone says you want to zig when others zag, and markets down, markets quiet. You also lose a lot of the kind of vapory noise from the market, and it gives you an opportunity that if you have something substantive, you have something that that it's much easier to capture an audience than in the throes of an up only heavy bull market where there's endless competition and you're competing for attention. People have the um, the attention spans of doorknobs, pretty much during those periods, and you know we we like this idea of really leaning into to your build, and um, and then going to market. You know, not that we're fully timing it, but like I, like we talked about last time we were the together. Like, yeah, we're kind of like I think we're we're at the beginning stages of something that is like a bottoming process, and um, markets kind of found some level of value here, and um, and uh, hopefully the timing works that start to get momentum and capture the attention of, a, of an ecosystem. We've been building quite a bit um, in terms of just like the hero ecosystem as a whole and um, even our Discord now will put 7,000 uh, uh, um, eyeballs on it and um, the, uh, the the project itself and from a development perspective is just about to go to mainnet and so I think hopefully we're going to get the timing right and um, we'll capture, you know, after what, what are you specifically launching? Sure. So uh, it, it's a it's a, a DeFi derivatives primitive built on Solana that handles all of the um, the settlement risk margining and clearing of of derivatives trades and and exchange of derivatives trades. So um, you kind of have this exchange which comes via composing with Serum um, at the top of it, and then underneath it is all the clearing settlement risk margining infrastructure. And when you put those two together, it's, those are all the elements that you need to kind of run a, a derivatives type exchange. So we're not building a front end, we're building the plumbing that goes underneath. So the actual infrastructure, which is why we are- So, so you'll be white labeling it out effectively to others. So yeah. SDKs, APIs, uh, there's uh, liquidity coming in from market makers who have been uh, you know, very coveted relationships of ours for a long time, uh, many of whom have invested heavily into the network. A lot of them, when we did, you know, when we um, first started this project, actually joined in at the beginning, offered development resources, and um, it's just been this amazing think tank. And uh, you know, the, the ultimate goal here is that we think about um, think that the future for derivatives is going to kind of have three lanes. You're going to have, um, in terms of infrastructure, market infrastructure, market structure, going to have kind of the incumbent what exists today, what you see with the CMA and uh, ICE. Um, and uh, Eurex, things like that. And you're gonna have this, this centralized direct access model, which is very similar to what, which is exactly what FTX is kind of going after now. Then you're gonna have DeFi. And DeFi is something, I think, for the majority of the traditional world that um, kind of have to get through the whole FTX part of the market first, right. which, I mean, they, they're, the work they're doing is so tremendous from the space. I, somebody that um, has been in the traditional space for so long, he, I appreciate it, I think, more than anybody um, as an outsider to it, although they're partners of ours on some right. stuff that we do. 
uh, and Alameda, uh, which is, you know, related to FTX, has been a big investor of ours. Everybody knows that there are advantages to trading on both centralized and decentralized exchanges. But why not choose an exchange like Bullish that offers the best of both worlds? Bullish's total trading volume recently exceeded $25 billion in just seven months since they launched. And they have the best liquidity in the game when it comes to Bitcoin USD. Now, Bullish has released the first major upgrade to its liquidity pool technology with the introduction of a concentrated range-bound liquidity pool for the Bitcoin USD trading pair. This upgrade triples the order book depth within a range of 2%, making it one of the world's deepest Bitcoin USD trading pairs. This industry-leading order depth means you can trade confidently at scale with clearly understood price impact. You should check them out immediately at bullish.com slash Melker. I appreciate the work that they're putting into it because it really is setting a precedent for innovation. And it's also setting a precedent for consumer choice. And right now, if you think about how CME, ISIS, it's almost like a duopoly in a way. And um, they've held on to it for a long time. Monopoly. Right, pretty much, right? And um, so much, I think, of what they're doing is about about innovation and innovation um, connecting to choice. And uh, so there'll be this world where you'll have these kind of three lanes and we plan to have Hero Network be that third lane, really to be the clearing risk settlement exchange for DeFi, um, for the DeFi lane. And uh, do I think it's something that's going to spin up and go nuclear, you know, up only tomorrow? No, but we've been building over time. We, we've planned this out to to run it as a marathon. And our idea here is that we want it to evolve and, and grow organically. And, and, um, and you know, we'll see. Like, I'm kind of thinking about, like, where does this go over the next three to five years? Yeah, you have to be thinking that far up. Especially, I mean, you see Sam has sort of, like, picked up the torch and is running with it, obviously, for the entire industry, certainly in Washington and in the yeah. days of regulation. I mean, he just sat there and took fire from five members of the CFTC like, like, a like, champ, a, like a champ, but yeah. I mean, is literally now. I wouldn't have told you a year ago it was possible that we'd be making a push for 24/7 derivatives and risk in legacy yep. markets. Crazy, right? right? But if he can do that, you guys could actually theoretically it operate in the United big, States. That is our long-term goal, and we've we've been very proactively um, um, starting to engage regulators in the U.S. Um, from the idea of look. We're not here now. We want to be here in the future. Let's discuss the path. Yeah, like tell us what we should do. It's uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, Hester Percy's had the sort of safe harbor proposal for yep. years. Give us three years. Tell us the roadmap, and if we follow it sufficiently, we're not a security. It's it's so well, reasonable. I think the elements are well. So there's two things. You have the token side. Well, that's the token the, side, obviously. But I'm just saying conceptually, the idea that they actually give you a roadmap. And a regular, so that in our case, yeah, framework. CFTC, yeah. get, which is better, get, which <laughs> I think so in, in many ways. Um, but um, we like to see a principles based approach to things, and we talk about the risks uh, and the regulatory risks and things. We think about it in a principles based approach. So look at it like you can't look at it as this like static prescription, it's not a binary thing. Like you have principles that you operate by, you have best practices that you operate by. And can you solve those for a decentralized network? And if you can, then there's a pathway. If you're gonna turn your nose up at it and pretend that regulation doesn't exist, at some point you're gonna you're gonna drive hundred miles an hour into a, a brick wall. 
it's happening left and right. And I have to say, I've never been a fan of we need regulation, blah, blah, but it does feel like right now there's a hack, an exploit, a failure every day. Every day. And they're, they're, they're need, like, it, in some ways, the whole ethos of crypto is like, it's this big experimental. Yeah, break stuff right? and whatever. But like, the problem is it retails losing money every time something breaks. Okay. And it's for a million. For you? For a million uh, for, dollars. Yeah, for Scott. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. For a million billion yeah. stats. Nice to meet you, bud. Nice to meet you. And Dogecoin. Oh, that's in there. Fuck it. Oh, short. You're hitting the green, though. Pussy. <laughs> yeah, and then you have something that, that really finds PMF and it takes off, i.e. like a Luna. And then you have a, what is like the equivalent of this like mini systemic event. And then retail gets really, and it's not only retail, and we're at this point now where you're at this intersection of pensions and sovereign wealth funds and... These are gatekeepers that are managing you know, billions, hundreds of billions of dollars for people that have worked their whole lives for them. You need to take that and have to take that into consideration when yeah. you're, you know, it, and so it, it's a, it, there's a lot to unpack there and it's going to be years before it works out. And I, I still, I think FTX is like what they're doing is just, it's what's needed for the industry to really. Hey, hey somebody had to do it. Well, you talk about pensions and sort of this uh, the wall of institutional money, I guess, that hasn't really come in. I do think that they could buy Bitcoin reasonably within their like risk management system. Maybe, uh, of course, then you have the discussion of custody and how they actually do it. But I do believe that if they don't want to go down the risk curve, that asset has proved itself enough that it could be a part of 1% or a half a percent yeah. of a portfolio. I think it is. I mean, I, I, I think the general concept is that the majority... Anybody that's subscribing to, you know, a um, uh, a portfolio that is risk based, like they're gonna um, they're gonna uh, have some exposure to, to dig digital assets. And you know, I I think I was telling you also like the last time we talked that the last time uh, I was at a conference um, that was running alongside a Millican, a conference called Medici in L.A. Yeah. And um, this is the first time in years I I'd never seen so many sovereign wealth funds, uh, endowments. Uh, pensions, all F table, all active now. Like I, I'm pretty sure that the majority of the last round of funding of a lot of the um, big crypto VCs, like Andreessen's recent 4.5 billion, Andreessen distributed global framework. All these guys that raised, uh, are and everybody that's raised big rounds, it's all come right from there. Uh, from institutions, and it's it's their first step towards ultimately what I think will end up being direct access, where they're actually going to start making their own direct investment. Well, what's interesting is that we're talking about Bitcoin being the safe asset. Those are Web3 DeFi funds. Yeah. Like those crazy. are not I Bitcoin know. exposed funds at all. That's the furthest down the risk curve you can basically pretty find. Much. And that's what they're coming into. Pretty much. I'm pretty sure that most of them have Bitcoin exposed. Don't talk about it. They just, they, just they don't have to. A publicly right. traded company has to, but something that's private right. never has to. Right. Which is why I think this bottoming process starts to make sense. And you, things get, I mean, you're, you're a very successful trader. You understand, like, things get pushed so hard one way. Like, it's not to say that inflation, like, it's not to say that we're not going to see, like, $10 gas, like, premium sure. gas. Like, but that it, shouldn't explode the entire market. It shouldn't. And, like, it takes a long time to turn an aircraft carrier port, right? Yeah. And so you have to start thinking about just how the market really thinks. It's like, what's the next six months? What are we, what, where are we going to be in six months from now? And oftentimes that's even the spot market, that's kind of where they're trying to move, right? 
And so, um, you know, it's interesting. I, just to change course, we were talking about um, kind of the incumbency of CME and things like that. Are you following what's happening? Just because we're at Top Golf on top, it's making me think about it. PGA Tour. Yeah. So some of the largest, some of the most well-known um, players on the PGA Tour are now resigning from it to join uh, the Lip Tour, and um, which is something that's it's created, I think, by Greg Norman. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, actually is another signal of like these monopolies. Like, PGA Tour is much as I think about life forever. Like, you, you're into golf, you get it's a monopoly. And like, I think you're going to see this era now. Which I think there's a, some little like crypto flavor to this, sure. right? Like, the de- it's like the disintermediation of monopolies and a single point of failure, and like all those things are they're not healthy for for ecosystems and just for the world in general, right? Can't have complete dominance and control because you, without competition, you lose innovation, you lose consumer choice, which is such a big thing right now, you know. And I, so I, it's really interesting to see that like. Some of these things that we grew up in, and to us, it's been around for a long time, like it's normal to us, right? Yeah. And, but uh, it's seeing this change just everywhere. It's pretty fascinating. I think so much of it stems from the work that we've all done over the last year. Like, so many make excuses, women's clubs, I need a glove, my watch is on, <laughs> the wind was blowing, my hair was wrong. Nope. I don't know who's winning, but it's not me. I capitulate. I can't beat this guy. It's over. Cut it. So it's about having sort of a three to five year time frame. Do you think in three to five years, all of this is normalized? It's a part of the system. I'm not going to say we replace the, system, the legacy system. No. But do you think that it's viable? It's an option for people who want to opt out of those systems. They'll be able to sort of have access to the all the products and assets that they have in those systems. Opening, opening access to a much wider um, uh, user base, audience, creating more selection for people. It's not like you have to be the fucking cheesecake factory. No. They have like a 30-page menu of choices. No. But you need choices and you need competition. And the idea shouldn't be to box competition out necessarily, as opposed to um, use each other to innovate. Well, it's too small to compete, I think. And also, we just need all of those sort of Lever- le- leverage products, derivative products, futures products, yep. even to just make the market more efficient. Like right now, even very hard to manage risk or to hedge or to do those things if you don't have institutional right, access. Some, if you're not like, in the United States, I mean, if you're in the United States, certainly difficult. Even then, and, and it's it's just hard to get access to. If you can't, and you're and you're you're using derivative markets, otherwise, you're, you're not getting fair pricing. You're not getting deep liquidity, um, and you know, like with, with Hero Network, what we did and brought, and we had a lot of large trading firms, a lot of uh, funds that um, come from the traditional world too, like get involved early. And it it really was a great signal that they're, they're looking for change. They want to see alternatives now. I mean, um, and that's the whole idea is just trying to plant seeds now for it to kind of see where it goes. I love like uh, seeing guys like you with the long vision who are not panicking or and or afraid to build and continue. Because I think that your average person retail sees the price go down and just gets flushed. Yeah, it's it's not that it doesn't matter to us because it can affect um, uh, you know people's attitude towards the market as a whole. But I think 
having, um, especially in, in crypto assets, like having a little bit of a counter cyclical um, thought process to things and zooming out a little bit ends up uh, benefiting you in the long run. So we're going to get there. We're going to get there, man. I'll I take promise. It. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already left a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that now. Spotify just added ratings, so please go ahead and click that five star. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>